started. Church is running a bit long today. We invited some of our uh, youth to help uh, introduce and begin us, and he's going to start us off with a prayer. Let us pray. Oh God, of unchangeable power and eternal life, look favorably on your whole church, that wonderful and sacred mystery. By the effective rule working of your providence, carry out in tranquility the plan of salvation. Let the whole world see and know that things which were cast down are being raised up, and things which have grown old are being made new, and that all things are being brought to the perfection by him through whom all things were made, your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.
it's an institution that has a long history dating back to 1962 of exceptional student outcomes, exceptional, exceptional student achievement across a variety of kind of factors. Um, our kids are amazing. The community is incredibly supportive. And the work that we're doing, really, I was thinking about it, is completely secular. I'm an educator. Um, but as we talked about one Whitman and the work that we've done to try to change the culture and climate of the school, um, and then the development of the Leadership Academy for Social Justice, we've been very aware that um, social justice in numerous faiths across um, the centuries, that's where, that's where social justice has really begun. Um, we're, we're trying to educate kids, but we really appreciate the opportunity build some connections and relationships with the faith, faith community. We think that's important. So, well, we're we'll here today. Um, Greg has an amazing background. Uh, middle school educator, extraordinaire, um, high school educator. He's actually, he always reminds me at, at 8.15 every day when I yell on the walkie-talkie where's Miller. Um, he's actually teaching, he teaches. So he's an assistant principal who teaches every day. He teaches our intro social justice course. Um, so that speaks to just his commitment to our kids. So um, let's go to the next slide. We're going to talk a little bit about our journey and how we got here. This is my fifth year at Whitman. It's Frank's third year. Um, we're going to share the evolution of One Whitman, which is really a pretty unique uh, program in a comprehensive high school. And um, also LESJ, Leadership Academy for Social Justice, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the impacts and the effects we think it's had on kids and on the community. So, 2019, summer of 2019, 2019 and 20. Um, my first year at Whitman, uh, spring of 2019, we had a really onerous, harmful. racism. 
there's just, just this kind of death by a thousand cuts for kids of color every day. Microaggressions um, from other kids, from staff, from the messages they were receiving in the community um, that, that really we, we heard from kids of color that it was very difficult at times to be a student at Whitman. Um, and certainly that weighed on me as a principal very, very heavily. Um, we always say that Whitman is every kid's school and every kid at Whitman deserves to feel safe and valued and have the opportunity to succeed. Um, so we started one Whitman and it was a disaster. <laughs> it was very ambitious. The, the, our ideals were solid. Um, our heart was in the right place. And um, in some ways, the school wasn't ready for it. It was a weekly hour where we gave kids and staff time and space to talk about issues of race, equity, tolerance. Um, and it was, it, was, it was so new. And you know, we had implementation issues. And, um, and in some ways, it was kind of rejected out of the gate. Um, but just like any new program, we stuck with it. Um, and then, I'm going to let Greg, Greg's going to start to talk, because then we... I'm just here to get the butt. No, you're not. <laughs> not um, and I should have said when I started out that, that you know, Greg and I are here. Greg's been just the leader of these efforts, really. But there's also other folks that aren't here that have, that have Anshay Saan, our staff fellow, teacher Cheryl Friedman, who is the lead teacher at LASJ. It's, it's taken a lot of staff and then students um, to really change the school. So then we get to the pandemic and the murder of George Floyd, and that summer, things really started to change. Yeah, and that's when I joined with So um, I was at Churchill at the time. Uh, it was a long story of how that transition went from me going to Churchill to the equipment. He says I tricked him to come over, but it's not true. We'll talk about it. Uh, so, and that's where, you know, that was a powerful summer. Um, and that was just my first meeting ever at Walnut High School with a student forum about the murder of Floyd. And our students are, we're trying to, hold it, hold it, hold it, uh, really create a space to be heard, to share how they felt about the injustices that were occurring in, in the world at the time. And I just sat there and I just listened. And it was extremely powerful because um, I knew I was in the right place. I knew that this was where I was supposed to be at that time and it kind of just made sense. And what we learned from that moment was we have to create spaces for our students to be heard um, and then help them cultivate um, the things that they're talking about to create action. Some of the things Dr. Dodd and I looked at the website of this phenomenal church and the things that you all do when it comes to action. We were, I told him last time, I was like, you sure we shouldn't be in the seat listening to them instead of uh, presenting something? And he was like, well, let, let's just give them what we have. So um, that summer changed everything for me, uh, but I think it also was an eye-opening experience for us as a school to really go forward and change what one witness could be um, and it really became about the phenomenal young people who work with them today. Um, we had to take away positions of power and just create um, 
spaces where we are on the same playing field with them, um, where they had agency in everything we, we did and wanted to do. Um, so that year, things changed. Um, we, we started our own program, and what it really started to shift, and we'll get to this, is um, it had to be a space where we heard about students' experiences, uh, not just our students of color, but our, our students uh, who come with them with these amazing lived experiences, and we had to create spaces for other people to hear, um, to hear how they're impacted by just walking into the school building. Um, so we went in a virtual world uh, to this one living program where um, students and staff really just listened to each other, and we really started to develop, develop a program um, going forward. And then that same summer, yeah, the same summer, uh, Dr. Doc calls me and says, we need to continue to grow this thing. Right, we need to, we have this moment and thing, but we need to now start with this knowledge base. And that's where the class that I'm fortunate enough to teach every day, or co-teach, um, started. It was called Lens when it first started, Leadership, Equity, Inclusion, and Social Justice. Um, and it shifted to our intro to social justice class. And there were 12, 13 students that we met with every day, virtually, that school year. And we really just started to build a curriculum. We had to really start teaching them the why. Why are these, there are injustices in the world? Why? How do we get to a point where our communities and our societies look the way to do? Um, why are our institutions flawed? Um, and that's where we started to work. Uh, because we, we realized that one women's is an amazing thing, but we also, as Dr. Bow said, we have a responsibility to teach um, and educate them. So that's where we started our knowledge base. Um, and always, it's what's powerful to me is that class started with 14 students. Um, and now we have classes of 35. Uh, and two classes of 35. So it's just grown so much. Um, as I shared, we made some improvements to more women. Um, and we started this program. So this class um, jumped into, wait, we need more. Students were like, we need more. And as we've learned, we have to listen to them. When they want more, we have to, we have to give them more. Uh, so started with one class, started with one women changing, it started with one class, and now we are a leadership academy for social justice with seven classes, um, with 75 students committed to our program. And certificate pathway where students have an internship, they're committed to action. Um, so it's just, it's just powerful to see that evolution. And it all started, as Dr. Dodd alluded to, in a, in a place of, you know, a really dark place, uh, a place where hate um, and bias, but we, we've been growing to, to change that. And one thing I'll add is, um, you know, initially, all these kinds of phases of grief and struggle when you have these incidents of, of hate and bias that occur. Um, 
coming to Whitman in a highly affluent, white-dominated culture was new for me as a school leader. And um, I, you know, I, I thought I knew how to lead schools, having been both an elementary and middle school principal. And in the, um, it was the, it was the winter of nineteen. Um, I actually left one of the racist incidents out in a terrible Twitter brand by a student that was racist in that fall. And I talked to one, one of our parents who's a leader, African-American woman, and I said, you know, I think it's time that I get together with black parents and hear what they have to say. Um, it was a cold January night, the media sat in a room like this. Lots of parents showed up, and boy, did they let me have it. Uh, and I wasn't expecting that. I thought, I'm going to hear them. I'm going to. I got this. And it didn't matter that. Didn't matter what I had done in the past. I just heard all of the hurt and the, the just the concern for their kids in in the room. Um, and I walked out of there. because they had not been heard. Um, and so the community, that's another piece that we had to continue to work on. We had a couple years, we had PTSA took an active role in doing one women parent nights, um, where parents came and our students shared what they experienced so parents could hear it. Um, and again, it was kind of getting through this, this like denial. Really, is it true? Is it just a few kids? Um, another group that was really important was the Minority Scholars Group. I don't know if you saw a couple years ago in Bethesda Beat, there was a, a big expose called The Reckoning, um, and it was about women and our, and our struggles. Um, MSP has been, has been another student group along with our Black Student Union uh, that has really pushed this. Um, but the, the, the genius of Greg and his colleagues has been to get kids involved. Um, we were really kind of trying to force a round peg into a square hole through an adult kind of lens. As soon as we said, hey, kids, you've got to do this. Um, and Greg can talk about how many student facilitators we have now, and, but that, that, was a, that, was a, that was a game changer. Yeah, so uh, I think one, one thing that's kind of remind us, we own the story. Anytime we tell it, um, it's really important that we, we recognize where we've come from. And we had an amazing speaker a couple of our last school year in our LGBTQ plus studies class. And one thing he said to me that stood out and I always think of is progress is imperfect. Um, we have, we're we're going to keep pushing, we're going to keep doing uh, what we're doing, but sometimes we have moments where we have to be reflective, we have to take a moment to say, all right, how did we get here? That's just how this has evolved. Um, so, let's keep our excuse me. Um, so, equity. Equity is a word that's going to come up a lot um, in what we do. Um, and that's something that we are constantly reflecting on and how to, to grow and continue to move forward. And our pillars are the two programs we've been talking about. Um, so, one within, as we shared, is a, is a space that happens twice a month. We call it a brave space because it takes courage for our students to be honest 
talks about what they've experienced. For our staff members to share their experiences, because that's really what happens. Um, we might have a lesson on ableism. We might have a lesson on uh, addressing anti-Asian hate and violence. And our students and our staff come um, and they share their personal stories. And we can't dismiss those. And then we have conversations about how do we make sure this doesn't continue. Um, and that's kind of the, the recipe we've had. Um, really educating folks on the work, but also recognizing that this is a journey. And we all, I mean, I tell students all the time, we all have a responsibility to really reflect on um, the community that we're creating. So that's what I'm looking at. And LASJ is our, our knowledge base. Um, this is where students can learn the why, as I shared before. And we, we focus on skills. And we really, students always say our classes feel a little different because we're rooted in those conversations. But what we're striving to do is what one of the things that I said earlier that I see you all doing so well is that action center. Um, that's something that we're in our, LAJ is like a toddler right now. It's only a couple of years old as someone has three kids under two. I know what that's like. <laughs> that's true. I'm surprised I'm here to this party to get me out of here. <laughs> so it is, it's a topic. We're, we're still figuring some things out, but what we've leaned into is that action component this year. Um, our students are doing some phenomenal things in the building um, and really starting to get out into the community and do uh, amazing things. Um, we have some internships going on. I'll share a little bit as we before. You want to add anything? No. So we use the word equity often, but it's also important that we explain it. Um, in my class, we do this amazing, or I think it's amazing, activity. It's a metaphor for equity. Um, students walk in one day and we give them all these illnesses. Um, not actually, but we give them a, we give them a card that has an illness on it. So they might have a sore throat or a toothache, um, a broken leg. No, paper cut. And then we say, all right, we have a solution to your problem. And we put up a picture of a band-aid. That solved the problem. Uh, we all, everyone has the same thing. It's equal. And that's how we get them to start thinking about it. Uh, and that's how we start the conversation. Um, equal is not always where we want to sit. Uh, and our students start to recognize that we have to really consider um, this access and opportunity, right? How are we giving access and the work that we do, we're constantly making in every decision that we make. Um, who does this benefit? Who does it marginalize? How do we continue to move forward? Um, and we did this amazing training, Dr. Dye, myself, and Angie Sain, Equity Literacy Institute, and, and they gave us a lot of this, these things to think about. As we go and do this work, and we consider what it means for our organization and the work that we do every day. Uh, and we really sit with this access and opportunity. So who, this is who we say we are. LESJ, this is what we hope to be. And this is what we ground ourselves in every day. Our students see this in all of our classes. It is very visible. We really sit in the pursuit of equity. That's, that's kind of where we start this. Um, our students will really devote themselves to identity, diversity, justice, and action. 
start with self. Who are you? How do you show up in spaces and what does that mean? And that's really our work, is to really start to think about your lived experiences so that you can understand other perspectives. Um, and that's something that you all do so well, again, as, as I comb through the work that you're doing on your, your website, and just like envious of like, all the activities that your students are doing, that your, your peers and everyone is doing, it's phenomenal. So, identity, diversity, justice, action is, is who we are, and this is how we plan to do it. Therapy, interrupt, but and this is this is who I saw on the website as well. A more just and compassionate society. Um, I used to not so kind of make the joke that the signature program equipment was college board AP classes, um, and it within is a performance oriented.
speaking to a county council member, they're coming from a space of knowing the history behind it. And we have students who are interning at county council members. We have students who are working with different organizations in the Silver Spring community. Uh, so we have students who are actively out there doing the work now, um, which, is, which is phenomenal. The other big piece of this is, is um, we have over 200 staff members that would, um, so, Microphone. What is that? Microphone. Where did that run off to? The, these right here are just some of the long within lessons that that Greg and his team have developed over time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Just shout it. I was haunted by an experience I had a couple of years ago when I visited uh, fellow parishioner, fellow parishioner. Is daughter had gone through one of the independent schools in this area, so her education was really good, kind of like Whitman, really good leader. leader at the top, right. the model. And he said that he had, she had called a couple of days earlier and said that in a seminar, this is correct, correct. in a seminar, the professor asked him to go around the room with maybe 12 at a table, say, what impact does your race have on said that must have been fascinating. And she said, but Dad, I didn't realize I had a race. And I was just stunned when I heard it because to me it defined white privilege that was absolutely unconscious. 
hear the content of all these programs, and I wonder about the context that some of these very bright, capable students bring in, and whether this cracks the context underneath, or to put it another way, what's the possibility that a young white girl could read this course and still not know that she had a race? Great question. And I will tell you, um, Greg tackles white privilege in, in terms of social justice. Whenever, whenever we tackle white privilege, it, is, it, is, it, 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 upset, it upsets people the most, ever. Um, the, the idea that we're going to say to a student, you know, that you've had benefits that other kids haven't had, um, it, that there's that idea that we're blaming um, so having those discussions are really challenging. Uh, there are ways to do it educationally um, that kind of like Craig's example of the, the different diseases with the equity the lesson he did. We've done things like that with white privilege to show the kids exactly, you know, really how privileged and, and they are. Um, I don't like to use the word entitled because it seems to have, it's kind of a negative connotation. Um, but I do think increasingly over the last several years, our kids more and more see, um, you know, they call it the Bethesda bubble for a reason. Um, and so we really try to, to show them um, indeed how fortunate um, uh, our community is. And the, what I would add to that is that's where we start with identity. There's no student in our program who would leave and not understand their privilege. Um, we all have privilege. That's something that we never hide from. And I think one thing that makes students, uh, I'm saying students, more open to share and understand their privilege and not feel bad about it is teachers in the program have to be vulnerable. I have to acknowledge my own privilege and share that with them. So I have to come from a space of just sharing a lot of my own personal stories about my lived experience, and that helps them then share. Um, so I think starting with identity, and then modeling that we all have privilege, we all have biases, um, we all they, they come with us no matter where we show up. And that our job is to check our privilege and or check our biases and use our privilege to help other people. Um, so that's that's something that I, I always share with students, and I hope they take it. A great question. And and, I, and I'll say one other thing. One of the number one that the number one thing that kids of color say to me at with is there aren't enough kids of color. And so that is something that we're constantly contending with. Staff the same way, we have a majority white staff. So diversifying the school um, is another way for us to see each other's experiences and, and hear from each other. Yes, other questions? Yes. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead.
he would have got it anyway. But I think being able to share how he he grew over the last couple years through the work. He was one of the students I, I met when I first moved with. He led that student work. So I think we're always trying to answer your question. I think we're always trying to, anytime I get an opportunity to talk with a student or talk with a parent, I, I, I think I can get them to get in at least one of our classes. Um, and then once you're in it, I think we, 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 we can help you. Because again, it's about the conversation. Uh, we want you to be better people when you leave. Um, I think schools have a great responsibility to educate you on you know, those upper level maps and sciences, but we also have to help you become a better person and learn about the world around you. And, and, and one other thing I want to add, and this is, you know, Greg is one of the few African American educators ever. And what often happens to your question is that the burden of explaining what's happening falls on our kids of color, our staff of color. And um, and that's a that's a, a burden all of us Caucasian folks have never had to carry. Um, so we were always dealing with that. Um, and we need our, um, we need all of our kids to, to, to try to help um, carry that burden. Yes, you want to come Yes.
voice, you feel valued, you can advocate for change. It's something that all students will benefit from, and our students are students of color that can lean into that. Just note those two bullets before we're, we're done. Um, this, is, this is a big one, and we have not figured that one out, and um, we're always interested in ideas about how to do that. I'm sure in the faith-based community there are ways to do that, but we are going to continue to have issues of bias that they have. Um, so we're working on structures and processes. How do we restore relationships, reduce the harm that's caused when these things happen? We have not figured that out yet. And then the last thing, the reason we're here this morning is increased community engagement with our program. So thank you for having us.